Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Bigger on the Inside, the new Who Doctor Who Watch Along podcast. God, gully gosh, Harry, it's late. Yeah, it's uh, 12 minutes past eight. You could it's say that uh, it is after dark. Mm. To be fair, after dark in the UK at this point is any time after half past four in the afternoon. Literally, like, um, I'm like on Mondays and Tuesdays, I have like a session that's like four hours. And so it starts at mm. two and it ends at six. And so like we go in at two, it's like perfect daytime. Then we come out at six and it's just pitch black. Yeah, no, I was in the library the other day doing a brainstorming thing with a friend. And we went in the library, it was nice and bright. And we must have only been in there about 40 minutes. When we came out, it was pitch black. Mm. It's crazy. Anyway, for those who don't know, After Dark is slightly different to the normal podcast where recently we've just been having discussions on topics. Before that, we were doing Series 1. In the new year, we'll be doing Series 2 of Doctor Who. But after that, we kind of just chat about whatever, really. There's usually a Doctor Who theme within there somewhere. But a lot of the time, we're just going to chat about whatever's going on in the world, other stuff we've been watching, things like that. Yeah. Would you agree? Yeah, that sounds pretty much like the cool beansy activities we get up to on this. Cool. Podcast. I wanted to I don't know I don't know if you've seen it, but someone recommended it to me last night. It's on Netflix. It's been on my to watch uh, list for a while. I, I have and Netflix here. Ah, <laughs> uh, well let's see. You might have seen it when it originally came on. Merlin. Oh Merlin, yeah, I've seen Merlin. Uh, it's on iPlayer. Yeah, the on iPlayer as well. Do you think I'd enjoy it? Um it's hard to say. Um, I watched it when it originally came out back in like, was it 2009 that it started? It was around there, wasn't it? Because we had like, at that time, there was Doctor Who, Merlin, and Robin Hood. Do you remember that Robin uh, Hood series that was like, out as well? I thought Robin Hood ended and then Merlin was by the same people who did Robin Hood. Or am I wrong? Merlin BBC. Yeah. Let's have a look. Merlin BBC ran from 2008 to 2012. Okay, and when Robin Hood, Robin Hood, Robin Hood was two thousand six to two thousand nine. Ah, okay, so there's a bit of overlap. Okay, that always seems to like be slightly forgotten that Robin Hood series. I remember it being massive. Here's a weird thing about that Robin Hood series. I don't, I never properly watched it, but I remember the theme song, like really vividly. <laughs> what's the, it's like what's the theme song? It's like the dun 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 or something like that. I'm looking at it now. Jerns Armstrong. I don't really know many of these people who are in it. Oh, Richard Armitage, of course. Lucy Griffiths. Joe Armstrong. I don't know who that is. Keith Allen. There's not a lot of big names in it. To say it was quite a big show. Ran for three seasons. Yeah. Who was in Merlin? Um, John Hurt was in it. Oh, it was John Hurt? Oh, yeah, he was, wasn't he? Was it the voice of the dragon? Yeah, he was. And um, was his name Colin Morgan who played Merlin? Is that? I right? think it was because someone mentioned it today in a group chat. Colin Morgan, yeah. yeah. But like, I've never heard of him since. I, mean, I guess like Merlin was like, is like, you know, his calling card is big thing. Yeah. I wonder if that'll ever come back, something like that. You know, like those like. Mid to late two thousands BBC season yeah. series that were actually really good. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if I could recommend it to you because um, it's, it's a show that's very often kind of like put within like the same category as stuff like New Who and Sherlock and stuff like that. But yeah. I went back and watched it, and it, it's um, 
I feel like it's much more explicitly kind of like family show oriented. I rewatched the first episode, I think, earlier this year. Um, yeah. it, you know, it's still good. It's very well done. And like, it's quite impressive, you know, like the production of it, you know, they've got this whole like medieval castle all decked out to look old timey and oh, cool. um, got some cool set pieces. And the CGI in the dragon for the time is really well done. Um, oh, that's good. Yeah. I'm looking at the cast now. Yeah, John Hurt, Doctor Who. Richard Wilson was in Doctor Who. Anthony Head was in Doctor Who. I imagine most of these people who were in this have also appeared in Doctor Who at some Did point. Did this all Merlin actors? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry. I think I have a tab open. Harry's got some notification on Facebook. Just read that one message out. What does that one message say? I don't know. I've closed the tab now. Oh, we'll never know. We'll never know. Mystery. (laughs) So have you been watching anything this week, Harry? What have you been doing apart from Uh, university work? This week I've been very, very busy. Oh, I haven't. Uh, <laughs> I feel like I should be. I'm at that stage where I'm on the knife's edge where if I don't start the work soon, mm. it's all going to go horribly wrong in a couple of hours. <laughs> the thing is, like, because I have so many contact hours on my course, like there's you can't afford to not do the work because if you don't do the work, you're going to get caught out on it, you know? Yeah. Exactly. Like, because like so, every week, Sorry, go on. Yeah. Hmm? Go on, go on. Well, just like every week, you know, you'll come into a lesson and it will be blatantly obvious whether or not you've done the work because either you'll be able to do what you were set to do in a lesson or you'll like fall flat on your face. Yeah. yeah. So um, for some context for people who are listening, this is the, obviously, bonfire night, the 5th of November. You might actually be able to hear some fireworks going off in the background. Um, it's also our first day of second lockdown. Hooray! Yeah. Um, there's quite a lot going on in the world. I was thinking about it. It's bonfire night, second day of lockdown. Yeah. We don't know who president um, the president is yet. We don't know who the president is. Potentially, like, well, if like just in the middle of us recording this, like we found out who the president was. Um, yeah, be exciting. I mean, it's close. It's very close right now. Um, yeah. Like, um, what source do you use? I use Sky. Sky News. Oh. I just literally Google US election results and Google like gives really comprehensive information about each individual state and the seats. Um, so right now, as we are recording um, for historical context, um, we're, we're capturing history here, capturing history. Um, <laughs> this is being recorded. Um, Joe Biden is at 264 seats. Uh, he, you know, he got uh, Michigan was confirmed for him. Or was it? Yeah, it was Michigan. And uh, Donald Trump has 214 seats. Because um, what confuses me, right, is you say that, and I'm, I'm looking at that. That's from the uh, um, the Associated Press, isn't it? That that statistic, the 264 yes. Biden. Yes, it is. But then if I, go on, if I go on the BBC News website, they're only giving him 253. That's because the BBC, um, their source isn't confirming Michigan yet, I don't think. I don't think they're calling a win on uh, Michigan. Right, okay. Yeah, because BBC says 44 of 50 states. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, Nevada's left, I think. Yeah, Nevada's Nevada left. is kind of the one. That's so close. I'm looking at it now. It's 49.4% of 
to Biden and 48.4% to Trump. What it's percentage so close. of um, Nevada? Oh, it's 76% that's been reported. Um, yeah. I mean, it's not much, but I think most people are predicting that Nevada is going to go to Biden. And if that happens, Nevada is worth um, six electoral votes, which is the exact amount that he needs to get the presidency. It's tense, isn't it? Yeah, if it's Biden tense. Can- I get, I get real. I'm not. I know we, we very rarely talk about politics or anything like that, and I don't think on this show we've ever talked politics. I think we maybe casually mentioned it once with. Yeah, yeah. we talked about how Doctor Who does politics, but also doesn't do politics. And listening back to that, that was such yeah. an incohesive <laughs> point that I made. <laughs> but when we, but when like stuff like this comes around, I can get really into. It. I tend to get more interested and involved in American politics mm-hmm. than British politics because even though it's important, I know it's not going to affect me as much, so I'm less scared of it. Well, I think for me with American politics, like it doesn't just affect america like what happens on in america reflects on the rest of the world like like it's in like these past four years think like how much trump as a presence has kind of been in our uk lives for the past four years like you can't be denied that trump's presidency has influenced our daily lives yeah yeah i agree especially when you look at like our current Prime Minister, Boris Johnson, who is clearly trying to model himself on Trump. Is he? Do you think so? I, oh, 100%. He's just saying what he thinks. He's not really facing the consequences himself. I think he maybe isn't also directly modeling himself off Trump. Like, to say Trump is the president and obviously I believe he has the final say, but there is a whole team of people working behind him that'll be doing the work for him and I think that's the same with Boris as well like he has Dominic Cummings who is basically the Prime Minister and Boris just says whatever Dominic Cummings tells him to say yeah I mean, that's the, the thing so, like it's weird how like prime like prime ministers and like presidents to a large extent are kind of figureheads and they always have you know boffins behind doors that are kind of it informing them on every move that they should make. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. And like, obviously you can support whoever you want, and I don't want people to think where... Um, you, oh, look, the thing, no, okay, here's the thing. I, I support, in the US election of 2020, I would like, and I'm hoping, fingers crossed, and I really, really want Biden to take it. Yeah, the, that's pretty yeah, unanimous yeah, okay. across most of the UK, yeah. Yeah. But that doesn't mean I dislike anybody who supports Trump or is Team Trump or pro Trump. I, 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 I there will be people who listen who support Trump. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know anybody, but I imagine that there will be people who listen to this, and I just don't want them to think we're like attacking that person because we're not. We're it's more of the figurehead of that campaign rather than the people who support the campaign. Mm. I mean, I'm sure there's like, I I'm sure you know. From our perspective, we only find out so much about American politics. So most of what we find out is probably quite broad brushstrokes. There's probably more nuance to the whole thing than I'm aware of. Um, although kind of with those broad brushstrokes, I get the picture that 
while Biden probably isn't perfect, he's probably vastly preferable to Trump. Yeah. Yeah. I, I put a video on my Instagram today, on my Instagram story, and it was just such a lovely video of Biden at like a school with kids. And this little kid comes up to him and like touches the lapel on his jacket and says, Is that a sticker? And Biden says, No, it's the United States. Did you see it on my Instagram? It's the United States flag. It says it's a United States flag and it's a badge. And like the mum of the kids sat with Biden and the kid. They're like at a school or whatever. And Biden takes his own United States of America flag badge off himself and puts it on the kid and says the kid can keep it. And like, you're watching it and you're like, oh, that's so cool. Like, just, you would never see Trump do anything like that. Yeah, I mean, it's like, I've kind of gone on a little binge recently of watching kind of clips of like Obama in different like TV spots, you know, interview shows, um, guest starring on things. And like, yeah. have you seen that thing where he kills a fly? What's that? When Obama... have you seen that video of him killing a fly in midair? I didn't see that. Actually, I think I might have. Yeah, done. There's, like, there's a fly on his leg, and like the reporter's like, "Oh, there's a fly on your leg, Mr. President." And like, he like just moves his eyes like that and looks at the fly and just goes, "It just kills it like that." And everybody in the room goes, "Whoa!" <laughs> So like, I know like this is probably isn't something that you should judge. Well, I guess it is, but like obviously policy always comes first when it comes to politicians. But you, you gotta admire just like the like the charisma that Obama had, his conduct with people. Like, yeah, like he was a much like compared to like Trump, like he was much more grounded as a person, kind of as a figurehead for the free world. Um. You know, Obama appeared on like Nickelodeon and Disney sitcoms <laughs> as a Michelle Obama. Yeah. Can you imagine like yeah. the amount of like controversy there would be if like I mean I don't know what Nickelodeon sitcoms are currently being made. Um but like if Trump appeared on one of them. Oh yeah, I, I can't I say I want to give an example, but like all the examples I can think are probably like cancelled, like I, I don't I'm imagine you now. Nickelodeon sitcom. Like Henry I don't know, Wizards of Waverly Place is that a thing that still happens? Exists. The Thunderdams, Game oh. Sh- Game Shakers, Victorious. Is that still on? Is Victorious still on? I don't know. I never watched any Let's of these shows. Um, oh, I know someone who's got it as their ringtone. Victorious theme. Yeah, it's his favorite song. Night. Squad, is that still on? Never heard what? of it. Nice. I didn't. I didn't watch Nickelodeon as a kid, so. I mean, but yeah, like if, if you had like, like Trump appeared on one of those. Sorry, I had. I had but you know what I mean? Like, yeah. It just wouldn't happen, would it? No, no. There's a series here called Henry Danger, and it's ran from I've heard of Henry Danger. I've heard of Henry Danger. Yeah, and it's had five hundred and one. What that can't be right. Episodes. I've just. I don't. I just gone on it, and it says two thousand fourteen sitcom five hundred and one seasons. That's not right. Yeah. <laughs> Number of episodes one hundred and twenty one. How many seasons? That cannot be right. There it's had five seasons. seasons. Okay, five seasons. Yeah, that was that was weird. Why does it say that? <laughs> How strange. Um, anyway, what else has happened this week? Oh, Sean Connery died. That's oh, sad. yeah. 
That was yeah. James Bond. That was a loaded day. Yeah. That was weird. Yeah, because he like I saw someone say on BBC News they said um oh, what did they say they said the world's so weird at the moment that the last thing you expect is for James Bond to die because James Bond can't die but he just has. Yeah. I oh yeah. Had. Yeah, I was about to say we've had not had any other Bond actors, but obviously Roger Moore died. How long ago was it Roger Moore died? I think that was about four years ago. I know we were at sixth form when he died. Was it that long ago? So, yeah, yeah, I was in film studies, yeah, I remember, yeah. Wow. Have you seen many of Connery's Bond films? Um, uh, let's see. The following thing I'm about to say is not a reflection of my views of Sean Connery. I've seen Doctor No, and I, I it wasn't for me. It wasn't for me. No, okay, I agree with you because at the start of lockdown, I thought, okay, well, we know No Time to Die has been cancelled, so I thought, I'm going to watch all the Bond films. I started with Doctor No, and it's just I couldn't get into it. I couldn't. I didn't really understand what the whole thing was about, and I know that might sound really arrogant, but I'm like. When we look at a film today, the grand scope of a spy film, mm. and this whole film seems to be just Bond driving around in his car chasing these like two guys, yeah. and then at the end he goes to like a secret mission base. I mean, I guess like that's where it all started. I I guess kind of back for was it the sixties that it came out or like the was it the sixties? Yeah, sixties. It was sixty-two. Yeah, I guess for the time, kind of just there was a novelty to a super suave agent, you know, yeah. um, driving around in a cool car and flying bad guys. They didn't need as many big or flashy things as like we need now. So I guess it's all about yeah. perspective. But yeah, because um, yeah. he's clearly one of the most popular Bonds because, okay, so Sean Connery, I'm trying to find the proper timeline that I'd like, see if I can find it. Because he returned, didn't he? He did his set of films. Here we go, Sean Connery. And that's just how much money he made. I'm not interested in that. Uh, but anyway, so he did his like set of films, and they got George Lazenby in. And, and then Connery maybe, came back, I believe. Because Lazenby only did one film, and it was really poorly received. Is that right? Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. Oh, hmm, this is strange. So Sean Connery did... Doctor No, From Russia With Love, Goldfinger, Thunderball, You Only Live Twice, Diamonds Are Forever, and 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 then Diamonds Are Forever, I believe, is yeah, and then in that was in, Diamonds Are Forever is nineteen seventy one. Then in nineteen eighty three, he did Never Say Never Again, which I think is when he returned to the role. No, is that right? What is going on here? I'm trying to work out. I'm looking at a really strange graph. So Doctor No, From Russia With Love. Goldfinger, Thunderball were his Bond films. And then in 1996, on Her Majesty's Secret Service came out with George Lazenby in 1996. Then in 1971, 1969, sorry, George Lazenby's on Her Majesty's Secret Service came out. And then in 1971, Connery returned with Diamonds Are Forever and then again in 1983 with Never Say Never Again. Oh, so that's quite a... Is that the longest uh, run anyone's had as Bond? 
One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Eight films, yeah. yeah. I mean, it feels like it's think, interesting. You think of kind of James Bond like as kind of in Britain as kind of like this great kind of legacy character, but really there's only really been like four, five, six actors you've played in. I'm going to have a look here for you. There was Sean Connery, George Dazenby, Roger Moore, Timothy Dalton, Pierce Brosnan, and Daniel Craig. And then there is also a gentleman called David Nivian who did Casino Royale in 1967. I would no idea what that is. As in a different adaptation of the book? I'm just looking. Um, David Nivian. Let's have a look, see what yeah. this is. Casino so Casino Royale was like... The first Ian Fleming book, wasn't it? Yeah, I wonder if this is because it was produced by a different studio that it's not really. The film stars David Nivian as the original Bond, Sir James Bond 007, forced out of retirement. Isn't that what every Bond film is? It's forced Um, out of retirement. We've got to get Bond back here. A lot of them seem like they're either like they've retired and are returning or like they've just started. And they're finding their feet. Yeah. Well, like, yeah, like, like Daniel Craig's Bond, he's been through it all. Like, Cine Royale, he's not got his license to kill yet. And then, like, he leaves the agency. Then he, like, comes back. And then, like, in Skyfall, he faked his death. And then, like, he <laughs> came back again. And yeah. I'm pretty sure he left and came back in Spectre as well. I don't know. Daniel Craig's Bond seems to do a lot of leaving and then coming back. Like a bit like uh, Tom Cruise in Mission Impossible. No, Tom Cruise is pretty well. Yeah, that's not. A it's choice. always it's always he goes rogue at some point. Yeah, no, he always, he's always go rogue because somehow um, they always manage. The bad guys always manage to paint like the impossible mission force as like the bad guys and turn like the yeah. everyone against them. I'm just reading here about this weird Casino Royale 1967 movie. I think because it was the one with David Nivian, who nobody's heard of, and I believe because... Oh, wow. Yeah, okay. So I believe because it was made by a different production company, it doesn't tend to get classed in the canon, which is why we never hear of it. And also, it was directed by one, two, three, four, five, six different people. That sounds like a production nightmare. It really does. Peter Sellers was in it. Wow. Woody oh. Allen was in this. What? That's... <laughs> I've never heard of this. I'd, I'd heard of it, but I didn't really know much about it. I guess I assumed it was just like one of the early Bond films. Yeah. Because not many of these Bond titles get redone. It just seems to be Casino Royale's obviously been redone with Craig. Hmm. Is that it? Well, that's the only Skyfall, Casino Royale, Tomorrow Never Dies. There's a lot of Tomorrow Never Dies, Live and Let Die, Never Say Never Again, You Only Live Twice. There's a lot of similar titles. Yeah. They're all about living but, and yeah. dying, never ring. Yeah, repeating stuff a lot. Yeah. I've never really been a Bond fan. I know I've got some friends who are really big Bond fans, but it's never really something that's got me i was really looking forward to seeing no time to die because it's gonna be his last outing and it's sort of like he's my bond he's our generation's bond Mm. so i feel like i should see the last film i've seen skyfall and i really enjoyed it Mm. um 
and even then when I was watching Skyfall, I, maybe because I'm a film student and I just know this kind of stuff. But in Skyfall, when he opens the locker door and you see the nineteen, you see the Aston Martin DB5, his original car that Connery drove, and the whole cinema went, <gasps> and the whole cinema gasped when this car appeared. Yeah. And like even I did, I was like, I've never seen those films, but I know how important this car is. Um, do you? Sorry, go. On. Was it Sam Mendes who directed Skyfall? Yeah, I think he did, yeah. And he did Spectre as well, I think, before doing 1917. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm a big yeah, fan of Sam Mendes, both his film work and his theatre work, yeah. Who's doing No Time to Die? Uh, I'm not too sure. I'm not too sure who the director yeah, is. I think it's someone new. Um, director. Uh, oh, I'm going to butcher this name. Carrie Dewa Fukunaji, I believe. What else has this person directed? Jane Eyre. I don't really recognise... I've, I've never heard of this guy. What else has he directed? People who know more about this. He wrote It, the 2017 It movie. Oh, OK, interesting. He's got 12 directorial credits. Master of Air, Land Rover Defender, No Time to Die, television commercial, True Detective, Sleepwalking. Yeah, not really much here that would... Make me go, okay, this is going to be good. But I imagine maybe if you've seen his work, you would maybe yeah. be more excited about it. It looks very promising. I, I'm, I'm like you, I'm not one to get excited about Bond films, but this one looks like it's doing like just enough things kind of differently to kind of like perk my ears up. I'm like, oh, oh no, prick my ears up. Um, yeah. Like there's, there's a lot of stuff going on. And of course, there's the big question of are they going to kill Daniel Craig's Bond off and make the Bond being a title theory canon. Well, this is what I wanted to ask you, because obviously with the inclusion of the Aston Martin DB5 in the Skyfall Skyfall movie would indicate that the title gets passed down because it's the same car and it has the same gadgets in the same place. And Bond seems to know about all these gadgets. He gets in and he flicks the gear knob up and he threatens to uh, eject Judy Dench's M. Mm. So what I really liked the idea of it being a title that's passed down. Yeah. Because yeah. even, is it Roger Moore references in his first film? I think he read references Sean Connery or George Lazenby. Referencing like the other guy or something. He looks down the camera and he says, you never saw the other guy do that. <laughs> <laughs> Let me see if I could find it. Yeah, send me the link to it. If, yeah. But, yeah. But what are your thoughts on it being a title that's passed down? I feel like most people, like it's a well enough known theory, but I feel like most people would be very willing to accept it. And I think, yeah. I just think it'd be very cool. Because like it just explains a lot. There's nothing particularly in the films to discredit it, to my knowledge. In fact, there's more to kind of support it. And I just yeah. think it would be a very cool spin on it. And they would kind of introduce a continuity to kind of the Bond film world that I think could introduce a lot of kind of more fun callbacks and such. Because, you know, Bond films, that's what they are. You know, they're fun. Yeah. Yeah. 
And also, what kind of secret spy turns up to a place and goes, my name's Bond, James Bond? Yeah, exactly. It only makes sense that it's a code name. Although, yeah. you could argue that the whole idea of James Bond is that he's a terrible agent. Yeah. So, yeah. Because I remember seeing, I think, Sean Corrie in an interview when Skyfall came out being asked about it, and he's like, oh, yeah, James Bond's a rubbish agent. Like, he gets too drunk. <laughs> <laughs> he gets, like, distracted by chatting up ladies and whatever. <laughs> uh, I just want to retract a statement I just made about it being Roger Moore. I believe it's George Lazenby. Uh, Let's go play it now. This never happened to the other fellow. Did you hear that? Yeah, he's saying this never happened to the other guy. Yeah, yeah, this never happened to the other fella. Which oh. indicates that maybe it is a title that's passed down. I think that's cool. I think that's so I would be up for seeing that. Now, I heard something interesting. Apparently, before getting to Lazenby, they approached Adam West to play Bond. Yeah, I think I've heard yeah. that. And he turned it down because he said he, he shouldn't be an American or something like yeah, that. Yeah. He was like, Bond should be British, yeah. Which probably. I saw a thing where the. Ban? I, I got to credit Adam West for that. Yeah, I, I saw a yeah. thing where I did. I wrote a thing on. I used to do a blog, and I wrote on it why George Lazenby is the worst Bond ever, and um, which is quite premature of me, considering I've not actually seen any of that that one Lazenby film. <laughs> it was mainly writing about why it was never going to succeed from the beginning, in the sense that they were struggling to find someone to replace Sean Connery, and the producers at the time was watching an advert for somebody selling milk. And Lazenby was the star of the advert, and he saw him and he went, I want that guy. <laughs> okay. And then they sort of knew the movie was going to suck as it was being made. And I think Lazenby knew he was out. Um, and they said, at the premiere, you just turn up as you are, you know, look as you do in the movie in a nice suit. People want to see James Bond. And he turned up with long hair and a big beard. <laughs> <laughs> that's such a that is such like a ballsy move yeah I gotta respect the hustle gotta yeah that. but he's Australian though isn't he George yeah, Lazenby yeah he is yeah yeah um okay so say if it is a title that's passed down would you like to see whoever the next Bond is interact with previous incarnations of Bond um I think that'd be cool the movie yeah. would be called Bond, and it would be two O's in Bond. Hmm. I mean, that's the thing. Like, one of the big draws is that you could have a crossover Bond film. I mean, that being said, um, if it were to kill off Daniel Craig's Bond, and we don't really have Roger Moore or um, Sean Connery, who I'd say were kind of the... I'd say those are the three most popular Bonds we've had. I feel yeah. like it would be hard to get people excited. Like, I've not seen any of the Pierce Brosnan films, and I, you know, I'm sure that he's great in them, but kind of in the zeitgeist, um, people don't really remember Pierce Brosnan's tenure as Bond in the same way that they remember, you know, Roger Moore or yeah. Sean Connery. I feel like, yeah, I think people who have seen those movies tend to say the movies aren't very good, but he's very good in them. And he recently over lockdown did like a live Twitter thing where he filmed himself live on Twitter watching um, Tomorrow Never Dies, I think. Tomorrow Never Dies? Is that one of his films? Yeah. Um, Golden Eye, Tomorrow Never Dies, The World Is Not Enough and Die Another Day. 
Oh, he, he had two movies with Die in the title. That's confusing. <laughs> he did, yeah. So, yeah, I think that would be... Yeah, so he did that. So I think he's quite, you know, he's seen as a good Bond. And I know there's been talk about them doing... Sorry, not talk. There's been a lot of pressure and push push from fans for them to do, like, an old man Bond with Pierce Brosnan. Oh, that'd be interesting. So, like, he's, like, an old man now, but it's, like, what's Bond doing now? And obviously you're giving some action scenes and yeah. things like that. And also just be a chance to kind of give Brosnan another chance, because obviously... Um, actually, I have seen bits of... What was his last film? It was one of the... This was it Die Another Day, his last Bond film. Yeah, Bond. his last Bond film was, yeah. I felt the main thing that drew down was that it was quite of its era, you know? It was yeah. had some of that early CGI. It was a little bit cartoony at point. Like, let's give yeah. Peter Brosnan a chance to do, like, a gritty Bond film. Yeah, I'm going to show you what Brosnan looks like now, and he looks amazing. This guy, old man Bond with Piers Brosnan. Oh, he's like, whoa, what is that? On the left, that that mustache, like Peter Capaldi musketeer's mustache job. <laughs> oh, that is that is cool. That is cool. I mean, I mean, he looks like a Bond villain in that. I'd love to see that. I think more than just a straight up new Bond movie. Yeah. Like, give us. So say. So go on, go on, go. On. I feel like I don't know if you'd be able to go straight into like a new Bond after. Craig. I mean, that being said, there's already like a lot of time between the different Bond films, so maybe yeah. by the point, by the time we the um, production on a Bond film after Die Another Day would be completed, people would have had enough time to be ready for it. Yeah, yeah. What do you think of? Um, okay, so say at the end of um, Die Another Day, uh, sorry, not Die Another Day, No Time to Die, Craig's yeah. out and he's no longer Bond. Yeah. Do they reboot yeah. the franchise or do they just bring in a new Bond? Like, there's a, I think... And like, keep, like, if they, ben, not Benjamin, what's his name? Ben Whishaw, keep Ben Whishaw and all those characters. I think that'd be cool. Yeah, I've, that's what I want to see. Like, I want to see, like, the, the, we have, if they really want, like, you know, those big crowd moments, reactions, which a lot of these blockbusters do go for. Like, they have... Um... They have Daniel Craig Bond die, like have him go out in like a probably a blaze of glory, you know. Yeah. Um, have, give him like some awesome one liner or whatever. Um, yeah, I guess I do have time to die, and then he shoots himself. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was oh. Um, <laughs> like have have him have that and like save the world or whatever. And then have everyone be all sad and that, and then have like a really cool passing of the torch scene where we introduce the new Bond, whether be yeah. that like another character in that film or an entirely new person. I mean, if it was an entirely new person who we hadn't seen until the moment they enter the screen as the new Bond, like people would go wild. They'd be like, "What? Say what? That'd, That'd be cool." Okay, so here's two ideas. One I'm not keen on, but I'm probably not keen on it for the reason that people maybe think I'm not keen on it on. Okay, so one of them is the the movie is finishing, and then they you could have Ben Whishaw at his desk, and they say we're sending him Bond, like the new Bond, uh, and the doors open, and hypothetically say 
Idris Elba, Tom Hiddleston walks in. I don't think but that's not being announced. That, that would be cool. The cinema yeah. would flip. If you just saw this new Bond walking, you'd go, okay, that's cool. The other thing is, my understanding is, and I've got to go back to Google on this to find out, no time to die. No time to die, no time to die, no time to die. Um, not, oh, I can't, I'm really sorry. I cannot pronounce the name. Um, but the, I believe the character's name is Nomi. Uh, the actress name is L-A-S-H-A-N-A. Do you know who I'm on about? Uh, she's, the f- she's the main female lead in No Time to Die. Movie female double O, that one. Yeah, yeah. And oh, obviously she- there was a lot of stuff of, oh, she's going to be the new Bond after Craig leaves and all that. And here's my thing is, I don't have an issue with a lady in a lead role at all. But for the sake of continuity, the character is called James Bond. And if you're not going to swap the titles out, and even if you do go with the, it's just a title theory, that still doesn't work because the title is James. Mm. Do you know what I mean? I know what you mean. And it, yeah. Just to say, oh, it's now Jane. It would be like, oh, what are you doing? Whereas I would rather them maybe give a lead character, a, a, a female lead character in Bond, either a spin off or just make a solidly good female spy movie with a female lead on her own. Don't have doesn't have to be attached to a franchise. Let it be its new thing and start its own franchise. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a point. We don't really have any. Off the top of my head, I can't think of any female-led spy movies that we have. Are no. there any? I always think it'd be super cool to have Emily Blunt do one. Oh yeah, Emily Blunt. Yeah, she. She'd yeah. That, yeah. yeah, she'd be great. But don't have it as James Bond. Just have it be its own thing. And then you have Bonds, you can have whatever this new thing is. That's but then that whole thing is going to bring in its own new audience and it's going to be its own new thing and then that can go for as long as Bond. That, that, is, that is an interesting point. Like, Because if you were to introduce... It's kind of a give and take of... If you were to introduce a female Bond, there'd be... The, the positive of that um, is that kind of it would be this big progressive thing that um, this franchise, the beloved franchise, is making that step, making that step. There's also the fact that it would be um, a female actor occupying a formerly male role, and that um, would um, trying to find the wording. I feel like I would find it slightly patronizing as well to sort of say, we don't trust you enough to start up your own franchise, so we're going to let you have a go at this one. I was kind of thinking along those kind of lines, yeah, about um, kind of it's almost a lack of faith in um, a female led spy movie of like, oh, I'm not sure we'd be able to get people to see this film if it doesn't have the name like. Bond or 007 slapped on it. Exactly right, yeah. So, yeah. And I would really love to see a female spy movie with Emily Blunt. I mean, it'd be fantastic. Um, one thing I was thinking of for a new Bond, we're talking a lot about Bond, considering neither of us really watched Bond. Yeah, I mean, it's, an inter- <laughs> it's an interesting, like, it's similar to, like, Doctor Who and the fact that it's kind of like a, a national institution. Yeah, yeah. 
So I know we were talking about what they could do next. You said maybe going straight into another Bond movie wouldn't be the best idea. But my, I had a thought of possibly they take it back to the 60s and do a Bond movie set in the 60s. That would be cool. I so, for example, I would really like to see Tom Hiddleston do that. Tom Hiddleston in all these like really nice, stylish 60s suits, driving all these 60 cars with 60s gadgets, especially off the back of Kingsman. That would work so well. Mm. I mean, I guess it's a question of like whether that kind of retro spy movie thing is kind of already that slot's being filled by stuff like Kingsman. I mean, I, I don't know. I've only seen bits and pieces of the first Kingsman film, so but it seems like they go for a kind of more well, it's not a retro vibe, is it? Because aren't those films like super violent? A little bit, yeah. Like more violent yeah. than Bond used to be, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so we'll move away from Bond, the death of Sean Connery. We'll go on to something uh, not really cheery. Oh, Bobby Ball died as well here in the UK. For those who don't know, Bobby Ball is a um, sort of not a children's entertainer. He was part of a really successful double act. I always sort of thought of them more as a more grown up Chuckle Brothers. They always seem to have a more of an adult audience than Chuckle Brothers. My mum and dad always were like, "Oh yeah, we know who Callum and Ball are, but we're not going to watch Chuckle Vision." Yeah, I mean Chuckle Chuckle Brothers are definitely explicitly targeted at kids, whereas Callum and Ball was kind of a seemed to me as a more of a family act, you know, for all yeah. ages. What's your connection? Do you have a connection with Cannonball? I have to admit that I don't really. Um, obviously, I've been aware of them. I've been aware of them, but I never grew up watching them. Yeah. No, I never grew up watching them. The only connection I really had is they would often do the pantomime in Hull if the Chucker Brothers weren't doing it. It was either the Chucker Brothers or Cannonball. Oh. Huh. So I saw them live quite a few times there, and they were always great fun. But that, again, that's somebody who you just never think of, like, dying I guess and obviously a lot of people now especially our age will probably know him best for being in Not Going Out with Lee Mack in his sitcom on BBC did he play Lee Mack's dad in Not Going Out yeah he did oh oh, I know him from that yeah I remember yeah Yeah. so yeah he's died anybody else who's died oh the lady from Back to the Future who has the money jar and she says um, save the clock tower Oh, she that like went completely under my radar. No, it almost went under my radar. I've literally just seen it now on um, BBC News. Um, have you seen the new Witches movie? Um, I saw the um, trailer for it. Um, yeah, and I was like, I mean, I have a big connection to Roald Dahl. I was basically raised on Roald Dahl. Um, Same. And well, it looks like fine. It looks like a serviceable like you know, competently made um, adaptation of a book. But then I went back and looked at the trailer for the 80s movie, like the Jim Henson one, and that just had so much more character to it. In like, Has it, how... it, it, it got Jim Henson's production company behind it? Um, the 80s one, yeah. I think like all the puppetry and stuff. And all... Do you mean... It... Well, the one I think the one you might mean is the one from the ni- 1990. That's what I meant, the one from the 1990s, yeah. I mean, like, the original. Oh, yeah, Jim Henson is a producer on it, yeah. You're right, yeah. I did not know. Oh, he produced it, yeah. So I think I had a lot of, like, Henson creature workshop stuff going on. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because that first movie as a kid just frightened the crap out of me. 
the Grand High Witch in that is just disgustingly ugly. A big crooked nerd, saggy ears. Like, I'm looking at a picture now, like, all her elbows and her chest, you can see all the bones, and it's all caved in, and her lips are turned outwards, and her scalp's all peeled back, and it's horrible. Mm. Even the scene where you see her pull her own skin off her face. Yeah, but like... For a kid's movie, that's petrifying. I feel like it's kind of healthy, though. I mean, I think this is something Roald Dahl said, said himself, which was that kids kind of like to be scared, you know? Oh, yeah. Like, it kind of, it makes you feel a bit adult, like, seeing something scary, a bit freaky. And it's like, we can't shield kids from things forever, you know? We can't raise them. They're not going to be watching, like, Thomas the Tank Engine and Paw Patrol or whatever it is. They could exactly, watch right? I used, to work, I used to work at, like, a children's, like, after-school club in my late teens. And, like... You should do this thing. I don't know if your parents ever did it, but like you just sort of like just sit there and just stare like that into space as a kid, nothing, and then then you go like that and catch the kid's eye or something like that, and then all the like slowly creep up, like oh, I'm not really sure if I've enjoyed this, and then you just go like that, or you'd move really slowly, and then I'll scream and run away. I think kids like. I don't think it's they like being scared, but they like the suspense and the mystery of. Yeah. horror almost of I'm not sure what's going to happen here and it's quite exciting. I mean, that is exciting. Yeah, it's a bit of an adrenaline rush. Like, yeah. I mean, like, you know, Wizard of, Wizard of Oz is like still beloved all these generations later and people are still to this day like remember being frightened of the Wicked Witch of the West. And even with Chitty Chitty Bang Bang with the child capturing that. Oh, yeah. I watched that. Just over the summer. I can see why that scared me as a kid. Hmm. Um, I watched The Witches. Um, the, I, I, the, the new the, one? The new version. The Rob, sorry? Yeah, the new one with Robert Zemeckis. Yeah. Yeah, exactly right. And I was looking forward to it because I was like, oh, bro, Robert Zemeckis, Back to the Future, my favourite movies of all time. I'm going to enjoy this. And maybe because I have such a strong connection with that original movie... I just really struggled to sort of get into it. And there was a few things that really sort of started nagging me throughout. One of them is the, um, not Kevin Hart. Who is it? I want to say Kevin Hart. What's his name? Eddie Murphy. Is it Eddie Murphy? Is it Chris Who does Rock? the voiceover for the? I think it might be Chris Rock. Chris Rock. Chris Rock, that's it. Um, Chris Rock does the, like, the voice. Generation, yeah. The grown-up child, but you can't listen to it and not hear it as Chris Rock because you know it's Chris Rock. Mm. He's got such a recognizable voice that it's Chris Rock. And to me, like Chris Rock's voice, I'll always associate with um, <laughs> with um, the Madagascar. zebra, the zebra from Madagascar. Yeah, <laughs> which yeah. But I, maybe I just need, I need to get out of my system. I should probably just watch some Chris Rock stand-up and. <laughs> So, yeah, I'm watching it. I'm going, well, that's Chris Rock. And then the little boy who's playing, well, the little boy, and I'm trying not to sound harsh, but he's just not that good. And I know he's only a little kid, but when you compare him to a lot of little kids that we see in movies now, like in Jojo Rabbit and Stranger yeah, Things. Absolutely. And... The bar's high. I mean, the bar's always it's a been really high. high bar. I mean, even like, you know, there's always been good kid actors and bad kid actors. Like, if you look back at like. 
Spielberg films from like the eighties. Like he always had really good kid actors, and that's I think a lot of that's attributed to Stephen himself, like just really knowing how to get what he needs out of kid actors. Have you seen the the um, lo- the proper casting of um, Henry? I think his name's Henry Thomas as Elliot in E.T., where oh, you're in front of Spielberg doing the audition, and the audition ends, and Spielberg just goes, right, you've got the job. Yeah. That's it, you're the one. Uh, he's just like this really emotional like performance. Like, he's like crying and sobbing, and but as soon as he gets it, he just like breaks his like, this massive beam. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? So, yeah, he just doesn't live up to the standard that we currently have. Yeah. The grandmother character is really good at it. I did like her. She does this thing where she tells her grandson about a witch and basically does what Roald Dahl does brilliantly. And also what Russell T. Davis does a little bit with Doctor Who is. Oh, yeah. This is a Doctor Who But make it... <laughs> describe something normal, but make it horrible. Like, you look at Doctor Who and it was like, okay, now I'm scared of statues. Mm. And it was like, Roald Dahl made us scared of our grandparents because they were old, so therefore they were witches. Because think, the witches describe are old and wrinkly. I mean, the the book opens like with this like monologue just about how like anyone could be a witch. Your teacher reading this book to you in class right now, she could be a witch, you, you don't know. <laughs> exactly, right? So that kind of works. Um, the Rowan, Atkin- Rowan Atkinson character is now played by Stanley Tucci. Tucci? Tucci? How do you say his surname? Tucci. Yeah. Um, he's really good in it. And Anne Hathaway plays the Grand High Witch. And my issue with that is um, in that original movie, as I said, that the makeup on the actress who plays the Grand High Witch, and that is amazing. It's so good. So much so that the CGI they use on Anne Hathaway looks rubbish compared to it. Oh, it's because they just don't push it as far. Like, we're. Just... Yeah. If you notice, I was like, with CGI, why not? If you're gonna like make something fantastical, really push it. Like, I feel like the example I always think of is the live-action Beauty and the Beast and the Beast himself. Like, if you look at the mm. original like hand-drawn animation, the Beast is like this huge hulking thing that kind of really moves around like a beast. But yeah. and you'd think, oh man, you could make that look like so intimidating and like scary and cool like doing a live action style render. But instead we just got a human actor and just CGI'd a beast face. It just has nowhere near the same impact. Yeah, I saw that over lockdown. It was on TV and my mum was watching it. And I said, I don't think you'd like this. And she said, I don't really like the look of the beast. And I went, what are you on about? And then there's the scene where they reveal it by candlelight. And it came on, I went, oh, now I see why they've revealed it by candlelight. It's because it doesn't look that good. Like I guess the, the, the CGI is fine, but it's just in terms of like the design is quite unremarkable in comparison to Ridge Beast. I saw this really cool video by the um, like animator, like the little lead animator on the Beast, and like he did so much work for it. Like he studied all different kinds of animals uh, and like went to zoos and like stuff, and um, he just picked and chose like different parts of different animals and then put them all together to form this unique beast and it's just really cool and you don't you don't get the sense that there's that same I mean I'm sure there was like you know a character design who worked very hard on it but it doesn't yeah. feel as like 
carefully thought out with like every single body facial feature. No, yeah, I agree. Mm. So, should we get on to Doctor Who? <laughs> Uh, yeah, is there something Doctor Who related to talk about? Hello, Harry, we're back. Ooh. For those who don't know, I had to pause the recording because um, the, what we're going to do for this next segment of the podcast, I had to use my hard drive. So we're going to actually, for a change on this Doctor Who podcast, we're going to talk about Doctor Who, Harry. Give what? me a whoop, 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 whoop. Yeah, that's right. So if you're listening to this on After Dark, you'll really want to have to go over to the YouTube channel to get the full experience, because you're going to need your eyes to understand what's going on. Okay. Wouldn't you agree, Harry? I mean, I don't know what's about to happen. Tim's to- told me anything. <laughs> so, if you're listening to this on iTunes and you're thinking, the frig are they on about? You might have to wait a while for the actual video to come out, because it's going to be a while, because I didn't time this very well. But before the end of the year, you'll be able to see this, which is I'm going to show Harry some original concept art of some Doctor Who monsters. And I want to be able to see if you can either... Some of them are quite easy to guess. You can probably guess who they all are. But it'd be interesting just to have a discussion about these original designs for these monsters. And for those who are listening for the first time via the video, it's the 5th of November 2020. So there are fireworks going off in the background. So, you ready? I'm going to screen share with you some Doctor Who, if I can work out how to do it. Okay, one second. You can probably see them all now from the beginning. Okay, Harry, so what do we have here? We have uh, quite clearly a Sontaran. What do you think of the look of this? Is this for like the classic Who series Sontaran? This is for the return of the Sontarans with David oh, Tennant. Oh, okay. Interesting. Because, like, yeah. this actually... Because I've seen a few images of, like, the classic Sontarans, and this looks much closer to them than what we actually got. In, yeah. Yeah. I think this is cool. This is very intimidating. Like, I feel like nowadays in Doctor Who, the Sontarans are kind of treated almost as kind of, like, a joke villain, like, for a non-threat. But here, this is really, like, really threatening. Obviously, like... By the time they made it to screen, they kind of softened it up a bit, gave it a blue color scheme. The facial features were less severe. Yeah, he's got like a crack going up the side of his um, his mouth here. And that's quite interesting. What's that? What was that, sorry? Go on. We didn't hear you. Uh, sorry, you cut out as well. I was basically saying he's got his the crack at the side of his mouth here and all around his eyes, it's quite different to what we got, which is this. Yeah, it's very, very different. Um, while I understand, I guess, considering it's, you know, a family show, we didn't want to go push it too far for some tyrants. Although, yeah. I'm just saying, if Chibnall, if Chibnall, if you want to, like, redesign, because I quite like all the redesigns of monsters in the Chibnall era so far. If you want to make a Sontaran yeah. similar to that concept art, I'd be all for that. What do you think of the change here between the new Sontarans and the old Sontarans, the classic Sontarans? Um, it's interesting because obviously the um, the new, obviously the face is obviously an improvement. Like that can't be um, disputed. But then when it comes to the costume itself, while it's clearly a lot 
like better produced than you costume and it's got all this detailing. There's something about how kind of rugged the old one is. Maybe it's just because it's like aged, but it looks yeah. kind of much more well-worn and kind of much more realistic, the old classic yeah. costume. I remember when the Sontarans coming back being excited, being like, oh, cool, the Sontarans are back. These are only, there were only monsters that I sort of knew about because of YouTube clips and reading stuff online. But to actually see them return was cool. In New Who, have we only had one actual Sontaran story where the Sontarans are the villains? I think so, yeah. That's Obviously, weird. we've had Strax. Yeah. But. Yeah, yeah, no, they should bring them back. That'd be cool. Yeah, I want to see this on Tarans as a legitimate threat again because I feel like New Who cool. has hasn't really used them to their utmost potential as of yet. No, so we'll go to the next one. Oh, that's uh, that's old, that's super old David Tennant. It's um, look how close this concept is. To what they actually were able to achieve, it's crazy. God, it's it's not pleasant to look at, is it? It's good. No, it's not. The TV CGI, it it looks good. Like this is like comparable to like Dobby in the Harry Potter films at the time. Yeah, what I like as well is they kept the eyes the same size because there's that thing, isn't there? That when you're born, your eyes stay the same size throughout your life. Like your nose grows and your teeth grow and your face grows and your hair and all that. But your eyes are always the same size, which is why babies have massive eyes, so which is why when the doctor here is super old and tiny, he's still got his uh, how much, his big human eyes. How much older was this version meant to be? Like, was it 100 years or something? I can't remember. I think it was. It must have been more than that. Uh, yeah, that's the thing. Is I, if it can't, I feel like they said 100 years, but that wouldn't make sense because, like, obviously... Didn't well, they age him a hundred years? Because there's a bit where he's in a wheelchair, isn't there? And he's like old, but he's the same size. Uh, and then they well, speed him up. And then they age him even more. Yeah. Know. But then like, you see like yeah. Matt Smith's doctor, like just hung around for like a thousand years and he didn't age a day. Oh yeah, you're right. <laughs> That's because uh, Matt Smith's so young and youthful. He's never going to age. That's just Matt Smith. <laughs> okay. So what do we have next? Oh, the Ood. Ah, the Ood. I found I this one really interesting because I like this look. It looks like Zoyberg from Futurama. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I prefer where, the way the Ood's ended up in the show. I just like... Oh, I, I feel like prosthetics on the Ood's are just, like, really, really well done. Like, those look like, you know, those tentacles, they look real, man. If I could, like, yeah. cut it up, fry it up, have some calamari, <laughs> like... Yeah, I think it's about time we had a return for a nude because you seem to get one standing in the background now and again or something like that or one just wandering around on a spaceship on its own. But to actually have like a nude story again, it'd be fun. The nudes are kind of probably one of the kind of, of all the monsters from kind of the RTD era, I feel like um, with the exception of maybe the Weeping Angels, I feel like the nude have the most potential for kind of longevity in the show. Like they kind of feel like yeah. they've always been here. No, I agree. Yeah, they they, they are definitely. I think especially out of the new Who monsters, they they're sort of lasting the test of time with that sort of. They've not been around a while, like the Sontarans. We didn't see them that much. Yeah, but people know who they are. Mm. I feel like people. Um, what... Yeah, I feel like. Sorry, they... go on. 
like I think the Weeping Angels, I'd say, like definitely like more well known than something like the Sontarans. But I feel like the Ood are pretty much on Sontaran level currently. When it oh comes yeah, definitely. To yeah. Should we see who we have next? Yeah. Oh, we have the interior for Matt Smith's TARDIS, his first TARDIS. So is this is very very different. It's got the same sort of dynamic of the different levels. Yeah, yeah, I like it's that. Like more metallic level. and more chic. Yeah, I feel like kind of as Moffat's era went on, the TARDIS did get closer and closer to this. Like reintroducing, yeah. like reintroducing the, especially with Capaldi, where they reintroduced the round things and the kind of darker aesthetic. Yeah. I really like this. I was thinking this would be a really interesting TARDIS design to have. Mm. It's definitely more Capaldi than Smith. Yeah. It's also interesting, but, like, um, go on. I think it's a lot more alien in design. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Like, I feel yeah, like, it really is, um, yeah. Because I feel like the closest comparison to this is um, Matt Smith's second TARDIS. And mm. that, while it was kind of darker, it had much more of a spaceship feel than it did have an alien feel. Mm. That's something I always liked about the Russell T. Davis TARDIS, that it felt very alien. Like, this was a piece of alien technology. And it was kind of organic kind of technology. Yeah. yeah. What were your thoughts on Matt Smith's first TARDIS? Because I wasn't a fan of it. I didn't really like the look of it. It... I didn't like it. It's a similar thing. I have a similar attitude towards Matt Smith's TARDIS I do towards his costume, which is before I watched any of Matt Smith's run, I preferred his second TARDIS. I preferred his second costume just because like they look very, they both look very cool. They both look very refined. Um, But then when I watched... (gasps) Harry's disappeared. His internet's cut out. What do we do? We just wait, I guess, until he Doctor's comes back. Character. Hello, Harry. Your internet cut out. Oh, oh okay. What, where was I? Where I was think, I? It, I think it's all the fireworks. She said something about his costume. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. My attitude towards Matt Smith's TARDIS is very similar towards his costume, which they both changed and they both changed at the same time. And before I watched the run, I preferred like the second iteration of his TARDIS and costume. Just because they looked a lot cooler, they looked very kind of refined and detailed. And yeah, but then when I watched Matt Smith's run, I felt like his first costume and his first TARDIS were much more accurate reflections of his Doctor's character. And so, he's yeah. <gasps> gone again. What's going on? Is it all the fireworks? This is crazy. Must remember to edit all this out. Oh, did I cut out again? You cut out again. I'm not sure if it's you or me. It's one of us. I think I think it's all the fireworks. If I'm being honest. Did you get the? We'll sc- yeah, I did. We'll go. We'll go next. So you ready for the next one? Yep. Davros, the return of Davros. Uh, I'm just saying, I've not got Davros on my screen yet. Ah, now I see him. There he is. Okay. Okay. Intro. I think this is pretty faithful. This is a pretty faithful translation. Um, obviously, it is, isn't it? There seems to be more focus on the head with the concept art. The center eye seems to be larger. Mm. There seems to be a more grotesque look of it. He seems to... Oh, no, that's his neck. I thought he was drooling. Yeah. <laughs> they kind of... I don't... I mean, I, 
So I'll start again. I get quite kind of Star Wars inspired vibes from this. Like this feels very reminiscent of something like Vader or the Emperor in the direction they wanted to take it, looking at the concept art. Yeah. Wanted him to be very sci-fi villainy. Hmm. Yeah, no, he definitely is, isn't he? It's not very alien. Yeah. Yeah. No, I totally see what you mean. Yeah. That sort of darkness to it. Yeah, and um, that makes sense. Like the context he's used, he is kind of in the context he's used when they brought him back originally. He kind of was treated like kind of a Palpatine type villain, who's kind of like, you know, this mysterious, like, all powerful. Well, I don't know he's not all powerful though, is he? Because the darks are just using him. Yeah, he, he, yeah, they always just seem to end up using him. Yeah, poor Davros. Yeah. He needs that guy needs a break. Hey, what do we have like, next? Yeah. Oh, oh, go back. Oh, we'll, we'll do this one. Too late. The Cybermen. That's incredibly different. That is incredible. It is, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, it's hard. Doctor Who Series 2. I struggle to judge the Cyberman because uh, obviously, like, this is a Cyberman like, I grew up with, and the first series of Doctor Who I watched was Series 2. And so. Don't tell us which one, though. Don't tell oh, us which episode. episode. Um, but, like, the Cybermen are very ingrained in me, um, and that version specifically. Although, I think that that this... Although, like, I have a nostalgia for this version of the Cyberman, it isn't, pro- isn't my favourite iteration of the Cybermen by any means. I think the no, modern Cybermen are a lot freakier. The new Cyberman men design, I think, is really cool. Um, and yeah, actually- it's cool. They've got they've kept the same face from this 2006 version, but put it on the head of a 70s 80s version, which I think is brilliant. Yeah, and I think also even looking at these, I kind of prefer the concept art Cyberman. It's much more. Oh, ready. really? It's much more blocky, much more robotic. Like, I mean, I guess this would have been too difficult to pull off at the time, but I think that's a cool interpretation of the Cybermen. I like the arms and I like the chest. I'm not a big fan of this head thing here with the indents and the outstuck eyes. Yeah, maybe they felt like the head design specifically um, kind of went too straight too far from what we understand to be Cybermen. Yeah. Okay, so what's next? Is there a next? I hope there is. <gasps> no, that was the last one, Harry. Wow. Was there no so Dalek there was some concept Doctor art? Concept... Sorry, what was it? Was there no Dalek concept art? Uh, they haven't really changed. Oh, <laughs> uh, I mean, I guess there's not much you can do beyond change their colour. No. So, um, thanks for... Oh, we should do a thing. Um, if you're listening to this on the podcast, this will all be edited by the time it goes out on the video. But we, we need to record an extra thing for the video that I think we should do. Oh, okay. um, I had a look at the statistics and people tend to watch for the first minute, minute and a half. So I think we need to do a call for action that we can insert into that first minute, minute and a half. Okay. Like, do a script for that or anything? We'll just riff it. Okay. What's kind of call to action? Like, like comment, subscribe, all that. So something like... Um... Wait, let's, we'll start and we'll see how it goes. Mm-hmm. Okay, we'll ready. Whoa, whoa, wait a minute, Harry. I have to stop the video for a second. Oh, why? What's wrong, Tim? Sorry, that kind Well, of... I've just Sorry. been thinking. Start again. Okay. Get... Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> right, here we go. 
Whoa, 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 wait a minute, Harry. I need to stop the video for a second. Oh, why? What's wrong? Well, these people are watching, but I don't know if they've liked, commented, or subscribed yet. What? That, that's crazy. I can't believe... I can't believe watch it. ...watch the video and not like, comment, and subscribe, and hit the bell for notifications for when we have new uploads. I completely forgot about that. So they should do that tomorrow? They should do it right now, because... As like, they're watching they, this, they can do that? They can. You can listen to the video, continue listening, and whilst listening, like, comment, hit the bell for notifications after subscribing. It, it's crazy what you can do with YouTube. Wow. Videos. And it's all... They have to pay for this? No, like, that's the great thing about YouTube. Like, if you have a YouTube account, subscriptions are completely, 100%, free of charge. Wow. So they'd be an idiot if they didn't do any of this, really. They'd, I mean, I don't want to go comparing anyone to Mickey Smith, but... Uh... <laughs> On with the video. That'll do. I'll put that in somewhere. <laughs> anyway, I think we'll, uh, we'll start to wrap up after that because I'm running out of things to talk about. We talked about the death of Sean Connery, the death of Cannon and Ball. Not the death, uh, sorry, the death of Bobby Ball. We talked about an awful lot of stuff. Is there anything we haven't talked about that you want to talk about? No. I've been listening to a lot of David Bowie this week. I need to listen to more Bowie. Yeah. Life on Mars is like such a banger. I've been watching the series. I've nearly finished series two, I think. Oh, you mean the TV series? <laughs> well, I mean, I, I've been listening to an awful lot of David Bowie, but in reference to your comment on Life on Mars... Oh, sorry, I am I am not with it. I'm not with it. <laughs> I, was I mean, just... it's after dark. Who knows what could happen? That was such a brain fart moment on my end. I apologise. <laughs> right, so... Yeah. Sorry, go on. But I like Life on Mars? I do like it, yeah. No, I haven't finished like it yet, it. though. Do you like it? Oh, have you not seen it? I've not seen it, no. Yeah, I think you'd enjoy it. John Sims in it. Um, some other people. Yeah, you'd like it. It's good fun. Cool, cool. Very cool, very cool. It's episodic and serial at the same time. So there's oh, like okay. Okay. mysteries each episode, but then there's a series arc as well. Nice. Nice. Oh, I think what we can talk about quickly is I, put, I spoke about it on Facebook the other day, is... Do you think TV shows are becoming harder to join if you haven't watched them from the very beginning? It, I think like it's a bit of a problem with popular shows where yeah. when a show is popular now, it's really popular, and like as soon as it comes out, they like you see like memes and stills and people talking about it. And I think for someone who hasn't watched a show, that can be quite alienating. Like. Obviously, the new series, uh, The Mandalorian, has started. And, like, the day after it started, I saw, like, a meme using, like, a still from the new episode of the new season. And, like, there's... I know, like, I had this problem of, like... From an outsider, it can almost be, like... It can be alienating. It's like, ugh, I'm fed up of seeing this show everywhere. Like, you actively almost don't want to watch it. No, yeah, I agree. Because my dad started watching the first series of Star Trek Discovery, and I hadn't seen series one or two. I was like, oh, you know, I'll give this a shot. Series three, it'll be in its stride. 
and it started where series two had left off. And I was like, oh, and now I've got to go watch them back series two then, but I probably have to watch series one. I don't want to do that. But I when I, I won't tell you which episode of Doctor Who I started with, but when I started watching Doctor Who, I didn't watch it from series one, episode one. I jumped in some point in series two that you'll have to listen to the podcast to yeah, find out. And I was hooked straight away. Mm. So maybe that's why a lot of TV shows don't have long runs anymore, or maybe because they sort of, instead of expanding their fan base, they just try and keep their fans happy as they are. Well, yeah, either it needs to be like a hit from the get-go now, or you need to be able to just like garner a really devoted following mm. fan base. Yeah. Or just be like really yeah. good and win Emmys. Yeah, no, definitely. So we'll bring this to an end for anybody who's interested there and for Harry as well. There's been no changes in the US election. 264 to Biden, 214 to Trump. Nothing's changed. We talked to the um, minutes and no changes. Nothing, yeah. <laughs> um, so I'll say bye bye. And I'll also say um, that I think people should subscribe to our uh, podcast feed so that they don't miss an episode, because we've got some really fun videos coming out with some people from Doctor Who, people who have been in Doctor Who coming on this podcast. It's pretty wild. I don't know how Tim managed to get them, just the, that magic. Oh, I, I kidnapped their families. Oh. <laughs> Shh, don't tell no one. Like, comment, subscribe. I'm going to say bye. Bye, everybody. Go on, Harry. You, you didn't introduce me. Didn't oh, introduce Harry, me. do you want to say goodbye? Bye-bye! Woo! Bye!